So good. So good. All right, I want to I say welcome this morning to everybody. Welcome to our, our online uh, congregation, those that have gathered in the online space. Uh, we love you. Uh, we are believing that you're having a fantastic morning in church. Amen. Uh, but for those of you in person, welcome. Uh, it's great for you to be here. I'm, I'm stoked you came in the building this morning. Uh, we are going to have some fun in the house of God. Amen. Oh, thanks, Jules. It's good. I was just having a little parenting moment in the front row earlier. My son was not stoked he came to church this morning. <laughs> Nothing like a uh, pastor's kid telling the pastor that he doesn't like church. Uh, it's beautiful. And uh, so I was just took the opportunity to be a parent more than a pastor, and we just we talked through some things, and that's important, amen, if you're a parent in this place, and you know, you have your kids in here before they head off to kids' ministry, and, and they're sitting here, and they don't, you know, they're grumpy, and they're sticking stickers over their mouth and refuse to talk to you, uh, you need to know uh, it's okay to be a parent first, in fact, I think the impact that we have as, as you know, believers in the lives of others is either uh, highlighted or diminished uh, in terms of how we first lead ourselves and then how we lead in the context of our families. You know, uh, when I think about ministry for Rachel and I, it, it, we minister from the strength of our family. Uh, we don't minister, uh, you know, separate to that. And if our family is not doing well, uh, then that is of a primary importance and focus. So you have full permission to be parent in this place. Uh, if you need to help your children know that coming to church is, is more than something that they think it is. I mean, I'm trying to tell them, it's not, it's, you know, it's not about just listening and whatever. This is, church is about Jesus. And you, I know you love Jesus. And so, you know, just try to... It's not easy all the time trying to be a parent and talk to your kids about church. And I don't even have teenagers yet. Amen? <laughs> Come on. Anyway, we are going to have so much fun uh, at our welcome party after the service. I'm super excited to just share uh, mine and Rachel's heart about this church, what God is saying about this church, and meet each and every one of you who have kind of made victory uh, your home over the last, I think, I think we've extended it quite, quite a way. I'm looking for confirmation, but uh, the Ashleys are out of the building. Uh, but I think it's like six months, six months, people that have made victory home in the last six months, and uh, we're going to welcome them, have a little party. Who knows a good party has food, uh, so we're going to have that. But more importantly, because, you know, if you don't get this right, marriages can be in trouble. Valentine's Day tomorrow. Who's, who's prepared? I'm very concerned. Very concerned for the state of marriages in our congregation. Every day is Valentine's Day. Every day is Valentine's Day. Wow. Maybe we should get you to come and do a marriage seminar. I'm not even, I'm not even taking that any further. I'm going to go to the Bible. I'm going to read today's scripture. It's going to be great. Uh, our, our series scripture for this series, our, our series that we're in, we kicked it off last week. We are, we are talking about being fully alive. And uh, yes, for those of you who are wondering, and yes, for those of you who have asked me, 
Yes, it is a zombie hand, okay? Okay, no more questions. It's about Ezekiel 37. We thought it was going to be great, but uh, if it bothers you, let it go. John 10.10 says that the, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that my purpose, this is Jesus speaking, so Jesus' purpose is to come and give us life rich and satisfying, right? Who knows that that is something that no matter whether you are in church or out of church or thinking about church or even hate church, that is actually something you desire, a rich and satisfying life. I don't think there's too many people, too many humans on planet earth right now who wouldn't say, oh, I'd really like a rich and satisfying life. I'd like a life that I'm just, I feel satisfied and I feel like, yes, I love my life. It's a great life. I think most people would be willing to say, I want that. The difference between those of us who are believers in Jesus and, and, and those who have not yet realized that he is real and true and loves them and died for them is that we know what the source of a rich and satisfying life is. Amen? We need to wake up a little bit this morning, guys, all right? Talk back to me. Don't leave me up here hanging. But we know the source. The source of a rich and satisfying life is not money, sex, or power. Thank you. The source is Jesus. The source is the Holy Spirit. The source is the one who created all life, who breathed life itself, the thing that took something that was dust on the ground and turned it into a living, breathing human being. That is the source of life, Jesus Christ. And he has come that we might have life and life to the fullest, life abundant. Read whatever translation you want. The result is something worth celebrating. Come on, celebrate good time, amen. Let's, uh, let's pray this morning as we unpack what Jesus wants to say. God, we love you. We love you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is absolutely the truth. And we can build our life on it. We can work out what is real, true, and right because of it. We can have a confidence because of your word. So Lord, I pray that you would unpack it today. Your Holy Spirit is the spirit of revelation. Thank you that he is here this morning. I pray that he would be at work in our hearts and our minds in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on. I like, I like to, to start by telling a story. You guys know that by now. And I was thinking about a, a story for this and I was watching the Winter Olympics. Anyone else watching the Winter Olympics? A couple of people, a couple of people. Uh, I, I, as many of you know, I have a small obsession with sport. Um, if you spoke to my wife, she might call it an idol. We're debating that. Um, but... But I, I do love the Winter Olympics. I love in particular watching uh, the snowboarding. If I'm truly honest, I'm not the hugest fan of the figure skating. Um, I'm not convinced it's a sport. But, uh, but snowboarding, 
Snowboarding, absolutely, I love it. And uh, spent many, many weekends and weeks away at uni uh, down at Parish of Snowboarding. And I was watching the snowboarding and it made me think about a couple of times that, that we went down. You see, as, uh, you know, as like a early 20s and really no responsibilities in life whatsoever except making sure I woke up um, and ate food, um, uh, we, we would often, we would often... Uh, Find out, you know, we'd be tracking the, the snow that's coming on the, on the apps and stuff. And it was actually, I think it was on the internet because apps weren't really a thing back then, but it's <laughs> showing my age. Uh, but, you know, and, and we would track the snow that was coming in and we would find out there was going to be like a huge like dump of snow on the weekend. And so what we would do is, is that we would finish serving a youth ministry, which is an incredible place to serve. If you'd like to serve in our youth ministry, you should see Emily and Isaac who are doing an incredible job uh, leading that. But we would finish youth and it would be like nine, ten o'clock at night and we would jump in the car and we would, we would just head straight down uh, to Parish Hill. Like we would bomb the like, uh, seven, eight hour drive straight down. We would, we would aim to arrive at Kuma Maccas at 6am because that's when it opened and, uh, and we would eat Maccas because who knows your metabolism at 20 means you can eat Maccas for every meal uh, and, 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 and it doesn't touch the sides. I don't know what happens at 25 but something changes and... Um, <laughs> And so we would head all the way down, Macca's breakfast, and we would be at, the, at the, the place you bought the lift tickets as it opened. And we would snowboard all day. Like we would thrash it, and then we would jump in the car and drive all the way home. Because you can, you can do that in your early 20s, and, and, and then you can sleep like all of the next day because you don't have any children to wake you up. Um, so I don't snowboard like that anymore because... Uh, I, I, I love my family and I want to be there, but also uh, because over the years I've, I've lent my gear out and now I have none. Um, <laughs> but, but when we used to do that, we used to play like a kind of a game, right? It was, it was an unspoken game, but we did talk about it. I don't know if we ever called it a game or it was just kind of a thing we did. And that was that obviously when you're down there, you're on, you're on like the T-bars the and the chair lifts uh, with completely random people. Uh, when we first went down, we'd always make sure we were together on the chairlift, right? Like supporting numbers. Um, and then you realise that some people were great at getting on and off the chairlift. And others in your snowboard party were not so good at getting on and off the chairlift. And actually they began to be like a liability for your survival getting off the chairlift. And so you'd be like, you know what? You, you just go ahead of me. You get that one, I'll wait. You know, no worries. And uh, you just watch him get off. And, 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 and sure enough, there'd be a mad stack and they'd take out the random person and they were on the chairlift with you like, oh, dodged a bullet. Um, but, we, but because we did that, we'd often be sitting next to completely random strangers. And so we used to like make a bit of a challenge and we'd be like, how much information can we find out about this person's life? But there was a rule. There was a rule. You were not allowed to find out their name. If you found out their name, game over, you lost. It was, it was too close. You'd created a, rela- a first name basis relationship and you lost. You, you know, like, that was it. You, and, and so we would be, we'd find out about their work. We'd find out about their, their holiday. Like how long are they down here? Where are you staying? Are you here with kids? How many kids? Oh, you know, but, like try to find out as much information. But the moment you found out their name, disqualification. And uh, man, we found out some crazy stuff. We found out, we'd, we'd get together at the top of the chairlift, we'd laugh about what we found out about this person and that person and uh, all of those things. But, it, you know, all of this kind of came together as I'm preparing the message and watching the, the Olympics, not together, mind you. But I began to think, how often do we, do, we, do we treat the Holy Spirit a little bit like this? Right, like we, we know all of this information, 
but we don't have a real relationship. Right? Like, like we, we do the ride on the chairlift, like we come to church on Sunday, find out information about their job, who they are, where they live, what they're doing. And then we kind of made sure we didn't touch base with them at any other time throughout the entire holiday because that would be awkward if you bumped into them on the slopes. And we come to church and we hear about the Holy Spirit. And then we kind of maybe go through our week and we're like, I'm not really sure how to... <laughs> it's a little awkward because he's not a person in front of me. We don't know how to have a relationship with him. We, we don't know how to have a real, genuine, authentic relationship with the Holy Spirit where we talk to Him and we hear from Him and He's so real that when we need strength or power or peace or like we're about to lose it with our children, which you know is something that I've shared here, you know, in the past, we, we, we don't know how to take that moment and go, Holy Spirit, just help me right now. I need you right now. We don't, we don't have an intimate relationship with Him in those moments and so we kind of just avoid a little bit, all week, and then we come back and we're like, oh good, everyone's gonna help me like feel all the feels in Sunday, and oh, yeah, we've been with the Holy Spirit, it's awesome. But we're meant to have this relationship with Him. It's meant to be real. When we read that scripture that says that He has come to give us life and life to the fullest, that's because it comes out of the authentic and genuine relationship that we have with Him each and every day of our lives. And this whole series, we've, we've kind of been dovetailing two things. We've been dovetailing what we would say is one of our key distinctives as a church, that we are full of life, right? We've named it, we've, we've gone after it. We're like, that scripture is not just a great scripture, although it is, but we actually want that to be us. We want that to be some way that we talk about us, that we define ourselves, that, that is distinct about us as people of victory. We are full of life. And that doesn't mean you all have to be as passionate as me. That's my personality. But it means that you should have this, this something in you bubbling up where there's joy and there's peace and there's capacity to keep going. There's perseverance. There's, there's, there's a fullness and there's a contentment at the same time. Right? Come on. Yes. I think that was Brad. Pretty sure I know his voice. There he is up the back, servant today. Love you, man. Knowing that this life, John 10:10, 10, 10, it comes because of the Holy Spirit. See, I think he's read my notes. Like Paul, okay, so Paul, Paul, genius Paul, unpacks this so well in Romans 8. If you would like one chapter of Scripture to read for the rest of the year. I know it's February, okay? Romans 8. Just stay in Romans 8. I would, I would hedge a serious bet that, that you will not stop getting life out of Romans 8 if you just camp in Romans 8 all year. There is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. That'll serve you for a month. That'll feed your spirit for a month. Every time you feel guilty about something, every time the enemy tries to bring condemnation, every time he brings accusation, that, that thing you just go be, just keep, keep going to that salad bar. There's no condemnation on me. There's now no condemnation. It's like Sizzler, but in Scripture. Come on. See, just got to talk about all you can eat and you wake up. But I want to I zoom in. <laughs> I want to zoom in just, <laughs> sorry guys. I zoom in just a little bit this morning. 
in, in one small section of it. You'll get to this section in about July, all right, if you, if you take it slow. Verse 9, Romans 8 verse 9, it says this, But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Oh, if we could just get the truth of that, the things we think we can't get free of, we'd know we already are. The things that we think we keep doing because that's who we are, we would know that's not who we are. That's just who we, we used to be, uh, but we, we, we haven't grabbed a hold of the fact that it's not who we are anymore and used it as a way of transforming and renewing our mind. We haven't taken the Scripture and got it in there. And so we do keep doing the things and then we, uh, we, we just believe, well, that's us. But it's like, no, you are not controlled by your sinful nature anymore. You've got to take a hold of that. Every time you think you are, you know, I'm not. Scripture says I'm not. Scripture says I'm not. You are controlled by the Spirit. If, ah, oh, why is there ifs in Scripture? Right, why? If, definitely lost my spot. There it is. If you have the Spirit of God living in you. And just in case, I love this about Paul, right? Because if you're like me, that's the point I begin to question my salvation. Because I'm like, well, do I? Like when I, when I sin, when I stuff up, that's trying to tell me I'm controlled by my sinful nature, right? So I have all this evidence that says that I am. And then I go, well, because I still do that, maybe, I'm, maybe I don't have the Spirit in me. I, 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 is this a bit too honest? I, I can go back to pretending that, that as pastors, we've got our lives all together, but the truth is that we don't. And sometimes I'm like, I read this scripture and if Paul didn't put the parentheses, if Paul didn't put this like extra little bit in there and we only read the first bit, we'd live our lives questioning as Christians, do I have the Spirit in me? Do I? Because I still do things that are wrong and therefore it makes me feel like I don't or it's kind of like evidence that I don't. But, but Paul puts his parentheses in here. He says, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. But we know that because we have received Christ, that we do belong to Him. So the proof or the evidence of whether we have the Spirit of God should not be our behaviour. Can I, can I just give you that assurance? We want it to be because it's easy to see. But if you use your behaviour and your performance as evidence of truth, you are going to get into very sticky situations in your theology. Okay, you are going to begin to live in such a way that is, that is bound up because the enemy will use that because that is, that, that's a lie, right? And so the enemy will keep you bound up to the freedom you're supposed to live in because of what Scripture tells us. And what Scripture tells us is this. It says, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life. Because you've been made right with God. Come on, you gotta like, sometimes you gotta read more than one verse. Sometimes it's good to camp on one, and then sometimes you gotta read a couple more because you're like, wait, I need that. I need to be reminded that the Spirit of God is in me because I've been made right with Christ. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Sometimes I just need to wake up in the morning and go, mate. That same, that same spirit is in you. Like, I gotta tell myself that. 
I've got to remind myself of what's truth because when I wake up in the morning, I'm telling you, there's like there's all sorts of stuff living in me and one of them is like this demon that hasn't had caffeine yet. <laughs> and uh, and that, that, you know, I've got to deal with that thing. But, but Paul goes on, right? Like, so we touched on that whole death life thing last week. And if you, haven't, if you didn't get a chance to be here or, or online, you can, get, you can go to YouTube, watch it. We touched on the death life, the death life thing, right? Breath, connection, it's, it's amazing. This whole idea that we are dead, but we're alive because the spirit, the breath of God. But Paul goes on in Romans 12, he says this. He says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you'll die. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. And this, 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 is, the, this is the one here. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. And now we call Him Abba, Father, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm, to confirm, to remind you, to ensure you know that you are children of God. And we, we, I mean, we could stop, but that's what I'm saying. Like you could stay in Romans 8 all year and you would do better for it, I'm telling you. If that's true, if that's true, it is really worth taking some time to familiarise ourselves with who the Holy Spirit is. Like if, if, if Romans 8, and I didn't unpack all of it, but if you keep reading, it's like, it, it, is, it is full. And if that is true, then there is a whole lot of reason why we should start asking ourselves, who is the Holy Spirit? Do I know the Holy Spirit? I want to know the Holy Spirit. I wanna have an actual living, breathing relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I don't wanna just come to church on Sunday and, and, and feel an atmosphere. I wanna know Him. Right, because, because just being a Pentecostal church, which is who we are, that, that doesn't mean that we know about the Holy Spirit. Right, it doesn't mean that we somehow can articulate truth about the Holy Spirit. I mean, I think it goes a long way. In fact, that we, that we encounter the Holy Spirit, I mean, that's awesome. We pursue the Holy Spirit, that's great. As a Pentecostal church, there's a, there's a whole lot of incredible things. In fact, we are the, we are the, the, the uh, someone told me the other day, the Pentecostal church around the world is growing at an unbelievable rate. We probably could get a bit excited about that. That's, it's okay to do that. It's okay to be happy that the church of God is growing around the world. That's okay. But here's the thing. Most of the time, even as a Pentecostal church, what we do is we talk about the Holy Spirit like this, right? Here we go, it's a couple of favourite phrases. This atmosphere. Oh, I, did. I was going to throw a few more in, but they didn't line up with where I was going, but I'm sure you have your own, right? Oh, did, did you feel the Holy Spirit? It's a feeling. It's just a feeling. Or, oh, I've got goosebumps. I've got goosebumps. Right? Or we, we're like, oh, it's the fire of God. Pray for the wind of the Spirit. And I'm, I'm not having a go. Like, the, that's in Scripture. But we, we need to understand, even last week, I mean, we did a whole message on, on the Spirit is the breath of life, which, which you know, they're all what's though, right? They're all, they're all trying to describe what. 
right? Like he's, like fire is a what? Wind is a what? Breath is a what? The atmosphere is a what? Yes, we get, we absolutely, there's physical manifestations in our body when we encounter the most holy God, right? Like things happen, goosebumps, people fall down, people start laughing, I've, I've had it all, okay? And I love it, don't get me wrong. Put me in a fire-breathing Pentecostal meeting and let me pray for some people. Right, like let's experience the Holy Spirit. But let's not describe the Holy Spirit by experience. Let's know who the Holy Spirit is because otherwise we can keep what at a distance, but when what is actually a who, who means we can get to know them. Who, if the Holy Spirit is a who, that changes the game. Because we can have a relationship with a who, but we can't have a relationship with a what. Which is why you can't have a relationship with your phone you need to put it down and have a relationship with the person sitting next to you. Sorry, that's a, I, that wasn't in my notes. This is my own conviction, my own conviction, right? And so, and so the reason the atmosphere changes, the reason we're like, oh, I feel that. Like the, the reason we get the goosebumps and we, we fall down in the spirit and, and people uncontrollably start, the, the reason is because he's showed up. It's because He's here. It's because the who of the Holy Spirit is, is amongst you, right? And, and sometimes the Holy Spirit will actually choose to manifest Himself in certain ways, which is where we get the descriptors of, 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 of like tongues of fire, like tongues of fire, like the wind, like a, a, a wind through the upper room, right? Like there was a sound like a wind, right? It's because we are describing the way in which the Holy Spirit, who is a who, has chosen in that moment in time to manifest Himself amongst His people. But that's not who He is. He is not, we, if He is only fire, it's very difficult to have an authentic relationship with a fire. I don't know if you've tried that would be an awkward conversation. But if the Holy Spirit really is a who, then we can get to know a who. A who has a character. A who, a who. In fact, John, John puts it really well. John's, John's good because he uses this, this incredible language. In fact, he, what he does is he records the way Jesus describes the Holy Spirit which is incredible, right? In John 14, 16 and 17, it says this. It says, it says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate or counsellor who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. See how it's who language? See how when, when, when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, it's who language? He is the Holy Spirit who will lead you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it's not looking for him. It doesn't recognise him. Wow, isn't that interesting? Who? He. He. Looking. Seeking. Pursuing. These are the things that as believers we're supposed to, that they're supposed to be the outworking of this relationship that we have with this who of the Holy Spirit. How, can, how come we can know him? Well, because we're not like the world who aren't looking and who aren't pursuing we're like the ones who are looking and who are pursuing. We desire to know this Holy Spirit. But you know Him, love that, but you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. You see, we, we can actually know the Holy Spirit. 
we can actually like really know. We can know what pleases Him and we can know what grieves Him. That's how much of a personality He has. He has a, this incredible personality, this incredible character, right? And we can, we can know that and we can actually get to know Him like we get to know each other. And there's, there's, some, there's some fairly significant value on that because He's responsible in our lives for our transformation, <laughs> right? He, he is the one that partners with us to put to death the old sinful nature as we read in Romans. He's also the one that partners with us in the renewing of our mind. He's the one who's actually in us responsible for transformation. He's also responsible for the production of spiritual fruit in our lives. Paul talks to us about that in Galatians, where there's this fruit of the Spirit that comes out of a transformed life. He's responsible for those things in us and through us. And if we desire these, it's, it's really actually very important that we would take some time and some intentionality to get to know the Holy Spirit, to become aware of Him in our lives and to build a healthy and functional relationship with Him. And so I wanna, I really kind of, I wanna set a foundation this week for next week's message. Right, Pastor Simo's preaching next week and I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about to give him like the foundation and then he gets to unpack, all right? Because he's gonna do a better job than that, than I am. But one of the things we need to know is not what is the Holy Spirit. We need to know who and who He is. Here's a couple, here's a couple of phrases for you. If you take notes, write these down. Number one, please let this not be a shock to you, but number one, he is God. Like I know that sounds strange to, to, to have to say that, but sometimes we forget. We think He's just the Spirit of, or, 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 or we, we, we level Him below God, but He is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. When the Holy Spirit is here amongst us, God is here amongst us the Creator of heaven and earth, the one who fashioned and formed all of creation, who breathed stars into being, who formed us out of the dust of the earth and breathed His Spirit of life in us so that we might be living. God is here. And He has God's divinity, His eternal Creator, Almighty, God's character, which means the Holy Spirit is unchanging. He is all-powerful. He is omnipresent, omniscient, wise, just, holy, and good. That's His character. That's who He is. He can't be different to God because He is God. And so whatever we read in Scripture, God is love, Holy Spirit is love. He is fully God. He is God, the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we, we can read through Scripture and He's called lots of things, which is actually also really helpful. He's called lots of things because sometimes we, we name things according to what they're gonna do, right? It's like their purpose, right? Ephesians 1 tells us that He is the spirit of wisdom, that He is the spirit of revelation. 2 Timothy is called the spirit of power, spirit of love. John 14, He's called the advocate, our counsellor, our helper, our comforter. He's called the spirit of truth. We live in a world right now that is so in need and so against 
a spirit of truth. As believers, we need now more than ever to know that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, that it's Him who defines it, it's Him who unpacks it for us, it's Him who helps us to understand what truth is. Romans 8, spirit of adoption. He's the one that comes and goes, "Ah, we chose you, we want you, you're in our family now. We don't, we don't get to kind of say no, like in that. It's like, oh, I adopted you. Oh, really? Yep. Son in my family now. Isaiah 1 says, spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. It's pretty cool. Like when you start to look into who He is, He's pretty awesome. You know, the Old Testament, spirit rested on people. He rested on people, right? But He resided in the most holy place. He resided in the tabernacle. And when it was built, He resided in the temple. And you wanna know what's what's super cool? What's super cool is that in the New Testament, He doesn't change. He still resides in the most holy place and He still resides in the temple. But guess what? That's not a place made of bricks that are there anymore. That is a living, breathing temple because Scripture tells us that that is us. That the Spirit of God lives in us, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which, which in case you're wondering means that you also have been made holy because the Spirit will not reside somewhere that is not holy. So because you have the Holy Spirit in you, it also means that you have been made holy by the blood of Jesus. So next time you don't think you are, you need to tell yourself that because the Spirit of God lives in me, I have been made holy by the blood of the Lamb, that the Spirit of God is in me. I am the living, breathing temple of the Holy Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 3, 16, I'm gonna land it right here. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, it says this. It says, don't you realise all of you together are the temple of God? and that the Spirit of God lives in you. You know, we talk a lot about being a home for hope individually and collectively. This Scripture is trying to tell us what that looks like. That Jesus who is hope, the Holy Spirit who is the hope of the world, that He lives in us individually, but He is also in us as a collective. That when we gather, the Holy Spirit is in us and amongst us. Like right now, right now the Holy Spirit is here. He is, He is here. He is in you but He's also moving through. When two or more are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. God is here right now. His Holy Spirit is here and He's moving. He's moving around among you. He wants to talk to you. And He wants you to know Him. He wants to reveal something about Him. 